everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We both survived. I survived uh, <laughs> pulmonary distress. I'm all done coughing up all six lungs. And Nikki is... You, I'm healthy again. You're healthy again. You sound, sound like healthy, a little coated but the doze. But right. we're here, and we got a great show uh, you guys will remember that Monica Bidet's been on a couple of times. She's a celebrated Just a uh, couple. cookbook she's been here author. Here a couple of times, yes. But and, she's um, gone and food writer. And she's gone novelist on us. Yes, she's uh, her, her her book touted as where Slumdog Millionaire meets the Hundred Foot Journey, which is we have a story on that one too. I already told her. Karma and the art of but Karma and the art of butter chicken is a great story about a, a, an orphan kid who attempts to feed and nourish his nation's hungry. Monica's in today. She's going to tell us all about it. And later in the show, we will be talking with DC's godmother of pizza. Yeah, speaking of feeding the hungry. <laughs> Ruth Gresser is going to be in studio. I can't believe this. This is making me feel really old. But Pizzeria Paradiso is going to be celebrating 25 years. Actually, it's not making me feel old. It's making me feel like, oh, my God, I've been in DC for a really long time. Trapped in a loveless marriage. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Anyway, but she's in studio along with... Um, Beverage director Josh Fernands, and they are brewing up stuff with Right Proper Brewery. She brought in pizza. It's going to be yummy and delicious. All right. Now we got then we got a real story of uh, women's empowerment. <clears throat> Yanire Brana is the founder and CEO of Met Community. Uh, that's a group dedicated to supporting uh, aspiring women entrepreneurs through mentoring, training, and networking. She's in with us today, and she's brought in Valle Guerrero. Did I say it right? Good for me. Um, uh, uh, Valle is uh, uh, the business manager for Ines Rosales in the U.S. It's a food company. We'll hear all about that. It's so cool. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, Met Community sounds like a cool group. Okay. And... Every year, we know what's going on over in National Harbor, and I'm not talking about the new MGM Grand. I'm talking about Ice Ice Baby. Every year, dun, 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 exactly. Dun, dun, I wish we could play music in studio, but they don't let I just us. Did. Well, I mean, real music. Uh, the Gaylord National Hotel does their annual uh, ice presentation, which is always fantastic. And uh, this year, they're doing all these really interesting, like, special asides, like um, chocolate and wine tastings, which we're going to do today in studio, which I'm really excited about. So in studio today, we have, oh, my God, Michael, I never asked how to say your last name. Laudenslager. Laudenslager. All right. Michael Laudenslager um, and Rachel Dimbakowitz. I know how to say her name. Uh, they're both in studio with us today, and they're going to talk about all the festivities going on at the Gaylord Hotel and uh, with ICE. Somebody whose name is spelled N-Y-C-C-I should not be named pronunciation I am, challenged. I am challenged. <laughs> I right. do. I am totally named uh, pronunciation well, challenged. Well, try this one out. Dirk Vilbrenik yeah, is in. Dirk is a it, Dutchman who is a, uh, but all, uh, above all else, he's a French wine ambassador. Right. He comes from a family of, uh, I guess your dad was really one of the... Uh, the, the the leaders in in taking Bouze uh, wines. He, out of he started Bouze indeed a long time ago in the early 80s. He started exporting Bouze, not all over the world, but mostly in Europe. Yes. And, and, and I'm going to bet some people in this room and a lot of people listening are still not familiar with Bouze. So why don't we talk about it a little right now? Why why Bouze? 
Well, Buse is a is a winery located about one hour and a half south of Bordeaux. Uh, that place doesn't ring a bell to a lot of people, and um, this winery is uh, represents about five thousand acres. And what it grows mostly are the same grapes that what you have in Bordeaux, so Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Cabernet Franc. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting above all about Buzet, it's their implication in sustainable development. And that's a little bit why I'm here today. Yeah, you do some great stuff. Voilà, you have so many things. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I called you, because you sent me so much information about all the different uh, things that your winery does. There's so many different... There's so many different things we can talk they about They use today. drones to fertilize. <laughs> Pretty cool. Exactly. To, to, indeed, we use drones to control fertilizing uh, our vines. In a few words, drones take pictures of the vineyard, and uh, these infrared pictures uh, show you red parcel, orange parcels, and yellow parcels. And then these, um, these pictures are put into a GPS system. It's a bit complicated, anyway. And We're all very sophisticated, so uh, keep going. So you understand what I mean. Right. Me. <laughs> the GPS is linked to a tractor, and the tractor just goes into the uh, wine rows and gives just the nutrients that's necessary in each parcel. So a red parcel needs nothing. A green parcel needs a little bit more. And a yellow parcel needs a little bit less. So what we invest in drones, we save it 100 times. Is this times. common in the industry? or It is not common, no. It is something we have developed and it might be common one day, but uh, we have developed it at Buzet. That's one of the numerous things we have developed in, uh, Vigneron de, at, at Vigneron de Buzet. Pretty cool. Pretty, very pretty All right, cool. so I what wines? Like, uh, you brought in a bunch of wines. Yes, I, I bought... Let's, uh, let's start drinking. And it looks like you've poured yourself a glass, but you have not poured anybody else. What's the matter with you, It was with a picture, please. <laughs> well, I'm going to pour everybody a glass, and we're going to start with the Sans. Uh, Sans is a no-added sulfite wines. As you know, uh, sulfites is um, a lot of people are allergic to sulfites, and you have a lot of sulfites in wines. You know, the regulation in Europe for red wines is about 200 milligrams of sulfite you can add in the wine. Our sang has just seven milligrams, and this is just natural. It's natural sulfite that is in the wine, so there is no added sulfite. You cannot find a wine without sulfite. There's no, no added well, sulfites. Are sulfites mostly for preservation? Yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, yes. That's why I'd, my salt sulfite, I opened it a little bit earlier. He's very excited that he got that right. I knew that. <laughs> Nobody's like applauding. I told him before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're out. Next, oh, no. next guest. <laughs> okay. Um, well, why don't you pour, tell us what you're going to be pouring first? Okay, I'm going to pour so the sans sulfite. And our sans sulfite is a blend of uh, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, and uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. So okay. see, it's uh, it's a good glass of Buzet. It's we're more on a homemade dock on a good, uh, powerful Bordeaux wine. Fantastic. Right. Pour. Why are you pouring that? We'll go we'll from a started. cerebral discussion of wines to a cerebral discussion of literature. <laughs> so you were trained as an engineer. Right. And what, you, you didn't like driving trains? I did not like oh. driving trains. Perfect. Isn't that the kind of engineer you were? No. no? Oh. Computer systems engineer. Same thing. And I was, I was listening to him and so excited because my master's degree was in artificial intelligence systems. And I'm thinking, ooh, drones, winery, ooh, geek alert. <laughs> this is great. great. Between that and Maybe President she's Trump. got a new book coming up, right? <laughs> I'm serious. Well, we need more drones. And... All right, so how did you get into food writing and all of that? I mean, what was the transformation? You got bored with engineering? Um, well, yes, 
yes and no. I mean, I never really wanted to be an engineer. Even as a child, I wanted to be a writer. Was this your but, parents shoving uh, you in that direction? Yeah, pretty much. You know, when I was growing up, you had three choices. It was become a doctor, lawyer, an engineer, or marry rich. Didn't know who I was going to get what, married that's, to. That's so. what Nikki did. Right. <laughs> That's what I so, thought I was doing. That's you know, what you thought you were doing. Got an engineering degree, which actually, you know, sadly so meant nothing to me. It brought in the, the money. Right. We used to call the engineering jobs the golden handcuff jobs because the money used to be really good. But there was no there was no satisfaction. I didn't feel like I was doing anything that personally I was proud of or that I was leaving a legacy behind for my kids. Right. That so and you were passionate about food, so you started writing. I love to eat, so I started writing about food. So, you know, before we get into the new book, just talk a, a couple of well, But you to, wrote, but let's talk about, I mean, we want to, what brought you to your book today is yeah. a, it's sort of, it's like a path. We right. sort of need to follow it. So you started writing food articles locally and then nationally. So actually it was the other way around. I started writing food articles nationally oh, and then locally. Right, hold on, just cheers first. Cheers, cheers. to that. Cheers. There cheers. we go. Thank you. Attention, everybody. Very happy there are no sulfites in this because right, exactly. I can't drink a wine with sulfites. Okay, now that I'm drinking, she wants me to talk about yes, work. This ahead. is good. Um, no, so I actually, when my, one of my first articles was for uh, the New York Times. I wrote an article about the changing Indian economy and what incoming money was doing to the food. Nothing like starting at the bottom. India. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, once you do that, it was very hard to get back in there. But, hey, I'll take it. Um, and then I started, you know, writing about local restaurants, food I love, people whose work that I really, really enjoyed. In fact, I wrote about your wife. Beautiful Nikki Nellis. But you never wrote about me. Well, I'm I'm not done yet. I've got another book coming out next year. Hold on. (laughs) Well, I do nudes in books. All right. And so did you, I mean, were you always driven to kind of do a novel too? Was that in the back of your head? That's what I start. When I quit my job to write, uh, I really wanted to write fiction. Uh, But again, you know, this sounds like it was sort of a calculated path and this is how I got here. It wasn't. I wanted to write fiction, Mm -hmm. but I started writing about food just because I was in a group with people who love to eat. Right. And it was an easier transition to get into food writing. And the agent I had at the time said, well, write what you love. Let's get your name out there. Let's build you a little bit of a platform. And then you go and write what you really want to write, so, which is what you're looking at now. So, no, this is how many books for you? This is book number seven. Oh, my God, that's just unbelievable. But it's this. Yeah. This is, first, novel, right? this is the this first is the novel, right? This is the first novel. I had a, a lot of their books have been essays. Yeah, so I've right? had uh, cookbooks sure. with Simon and Schuster and Random House. Right. I did a collection of fiction short stories that came out in 2014. Right. And collection of food essays. Right. And this is my first uh, well, then let's, novel. Well, to let's make talk sure. about the inspiration for this book. It's a beautiful story. So how did you, was this always in you? What, did you take notes? How did you get here? So this book was actually largely inspired by a chef we all know and love is uh, Jose Andreas. Right. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of the work that he does for Haiti and he's, you know, with the D.C. Central Kitchen and all of that. And I would always look he's at him so and charitable. wonder, yeah. you know. Could somebody who doesn't have some of the resources uh, that he has, could anyone do this? So the idea of this book was, what if there's a little kid who has uh, his mother taken away from him due to hunger, but he has no money, no friends, no influence, no nothing. Does someone like that even have the permission to have such a big, huge, audacious dream? Right. And that's where it came from. And so let's talk a little bit, I mean, without giving much away, but it's a really um, a beautiful story. And the butter chicken is very important to you. 
So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the butter chicken is actually a metaphor for food memory that takes you back into a time that was precious for you and that sort of grounded you. And um, that's what the reason for the mention of that dish is, although, yes, I do love butter chicken. It's one of my favorite dishes. Your father makes it, right? My dad makes it for me, still does. I make it for my kids. They eat it and say, it's good, but it's nothing like grandpa's. Which is good. I feel like I still need my dad to right. make me chicken. Um, but then you send them to their rooms, of course. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> do people still do that? I don't mm. think people still do that anymore. Our kids like to be sent to their rooms. Right. Our kids yeah, want to be in their rooms. All right. So, um, you know, I don't want to run out of time here. You're doing a bunch of book parties and all of that, too. So do you want to talk about that? Because this, this is a great little book. And Thank you so much. Yeah, we've uh, the book was launched on September 15th. We've done about 21 events so far. Um, being here is, you know, a huge honor. Tomorrow, yes. absolutely. Tomorrow is a personal victory for me. It's an event at the National Press Club, where the chef at the press club actually read the book and dreamed up the dinner that she thought the chef would make. Because the chef in the book, so she and I planned out some dishes and so what are some paired of the it with some wines. So of course, there's butter chicken. Right. <laughs> Uh, but there's a dish that he makes uh, that's a potato curry that helps him sort of rally the, the troops when everything's going wrong. Um, and it was just a way to bring people together to talk about what's important. And I feel like, especially in this day and age, mm-hmm. we really need books of empowerment and hope and the fact that even one person has the capability to change things. Yeah. Well, um, it's a beautiful book and it's really written beautifully thank you very much um and it makes you hungry while you're reading it <laughs> that's why <laughs> i ate the corner inspiring. No, it's an inspiring book of hope and i i think everybody should get a chance to read it and so where can people find out about all your events other than the list are you on it.com which has all of them posted of i course. am on the list um everything's also listed on my webpage on amazon it's also listed on monicavide.com Right. And uh, the press club is tomorrow on the 28th. The local sub shop is going to name a sub after me. So we'll be announcing that soon. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Chase the sub. Oh, with Tim Ma. Oh, that's so fabulous. I love that. Yes. And then. Wait. One more thing. Just say whatever One more thing. Say. In February, on February 9th, we're doing at the, an event at the Smithsonian uh, honoring the book again with a dinner. Excellent. Well, we'll be there for that one. Uh, Monica Bidet, thank you so much. This thank is David you. and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. Let Potomac's Market at River Falls help make holiday entertaining unforgettable. For a catering menu, visit MarketRiverFalls.com or call 301-765-8001. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by ProFish, D.C.'s premier seafood company. ProFish delivers only the freshest, safest, and most sustainable seafood. Visit them at ProFish.com. What's best for you in your federal career? And what comes next? Your turn with Mike Causey, Wednesday mornings at 10. United Soldiers and Sailors of America provides food, shelter, utilities, toiletries, and the essentials for daily living to our combat-wounded service members and their families. The need for help rises dramatically in the winter. Sometimes our wounded warriors are forced to choose between paying to heat their homes or buying food for their families. You can lessen the burden by donating to USASOA.org. All money given to United Soldiers and Sailors of America goes directly to our service members. Again, that's USASOA.org. In 2008, PGA professional Steve Greiner established a Wounded Warrior Golf Program to serve the Washington, D.C. area. 
Since its inception, over 1,000 military lives have been positively impacted at zero cost to the participants. Now, Links to Freedom, an approved 501c3 nonprofit, needs your help to continue providing injured service members and their families this critical rehabilitative program. Please visit linkstofreedom.org. That's linkstofreedom.org for more details today. This is Roger Waldron, president of the Coalition for Government Procurement and host of Off the Shelf. My show brings a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Each week, I talk to experts from inside and outside government about the latest federal compliance and policy information for government contractors. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 11 a.m. for Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. or download at any time at federalnewsradio.com. Search Off the Shelf. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. So let's go back to Dirk and talk some more about Bouze wines. Dirk, this wine, it's really for lovely. me, I mean, reds always make me think of, you know, they make me think of something hearty like meats and that kind of thing. This would be great around a yeah, ribeye. Or really good with a piece of pizza. Yeah, yeah. Saying. It can go with many, many things, saying. you know, as long as you enjoy it. And this wine, we have developed, just a little word about this wine, we have developed this wine also with a special cork. We've worked with a cork company called Noma Cork, and the cork is made of uh, cane sugar because we have better results in terms of uh, air control because the enemy of a no-added sulfite wine is air. Right. So as we don't want a drop of air going into the wine during the vinification process. That must be a huge boon for the sugar cane industry, too. Seriously. <laughs> I hope I mean, one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, again, it's, uh, let's say, an environmentally friendly product we're trying to make. We're not just trying to make good and clean wine, but also environmentally friendly wines. Well, can I ask a question? Why do a different kind of cork as opposed to screw cap? Well, uh, corks have... Um, Different levels of, uh, how do you say that, permeability to porous. air, porous of air. Yes. Voilà. Uh, some uh, screw caps are better than natural corks, uh-huh. but with this um, cane sugar cork, we have better results than with screw caps, definitely, and then with our regular, uh, let's say, quality of, uh, how do you call that, liege, uh, of course, sorry. Don't you love a, guy? Okay. a Dutchman okay. who can't get the French out of the English No, but the word is cork, that's okay. why. Great. What are you going to pour next? Uh, I'm going to pour, uh, we can pour a, a vegan wine. Okay. So th- this one, it's a Domaine de Michelet. It's not only a vegan wine, it's also organic. And, um, I have to no, ask a no, stupid question. No added sulfite. Isn't oh. all wine vegan? No. How is that? Very little. We use eggs to uh, clarify wines or to... Oh, to, like stock. Like, um, sometimes uh, when yes, you're making yes, a stock yes. a consomme, well, well, you indeed. use eggs. Mo- most of the wineries use eggs. We use eggs in our regular wines. Some wineries use other, uh, let's say, animal um, products, let's mm-hmm. say. But we use eggs in, some, in most of our, let's say, wines. But this one has no eggs in it. Interesting. That's why it's a vegan wine. And you don't have a lot of vegan wines on the market either. I'm going to bet a lot of vegans don't really know that about wine. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm, sure, no, 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 I'm sure. sure a lot of people don't know I that. know it, it can seem awkward, so that's why a lot of people say, well, let's not talk about vegan wines, because then people might ask. <laughs> a lot of vegans are like, wait, what? Are, yeah. are, aren't wine vegans? No why wonder should... it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> what do you use instead? Sorry? What do you use instead of uh, Good questions. Good and questions. I have a blackout now. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Are you pouring the wine and you figure that out? You know what? Out? Just We're say gonna... something in French. Nobody will know right. what the hell you're talking <laughs> about. Yes, but even in French, I don't have Bonjour, mon ami. Bonjour, mon ami. All right. Well, while we're sipping this next wine, 
Let's talk to Ruth Gresser. Yeah? Yes. So I think any business, I own a small business, and uh, 80% of the small businesses that start every year fail. So to be in business at all after that first year is amazing. Yeah. And to celebrate 25 years and to be the queen of pizza and I'm craft the godmother. Brews, the godmother <laughs> queen. What do you want to be? Because let's, uh, wait, because 25 years ago, there was not a lot of pizza going on. In D.C., especially. Not pizza. Well, not craft pizza. pizza. Yeah, but. Yeah, we, we were the first to do Neapolitan-style pizza. You were the very first pizza right. in, in this area. So, so, yeah, we were at the, I mean, we were at, in 25 years. What this 25-year uh, milestone has done for me is it's given me a chance to kind of look back and and reflect mm -hmm. on what's happened. You which say, look is, what I did. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's look gratifying. Look at the landscape, you know? yes. It's really, so, because we were at the forefront of two trends, one being the Neapolitan pizza, mm -hmm. which we started Thank it you. in 1991. It really didn't explode the way it, you know, the way it is now right. for maybe the last eight years, I'm going to say something like that. Mm -hmm. What was it that um, drove you, though? Because, you know, when I remember... And I'm that old. In '60 or '61, when pizza suddenly was a thing, and everybody like was eating pizza? it, and like I had to make, yeah, most, I mean, it was really plain pizza, and sometimes with a little bit of pepperoni on it, and that was it. That's what you got, right? Forever, right? What made you think that pizza could be essentially a gourmet something? Well, I mean, my background is in the kitchen and as a chef, so I knew food as well as pizza. Um, and then uh, I had been working in, uh, I mean, my, my, my education was in French cooking, but I started to do some Italian cooking once I moved to Washington, D.C., and so it kind Where of was... there's so many Italians. Right, an easy <laughs> uh, progression from just knowing cooking and learning to cook in general. I also, I love working with dough, um, so bread's always been something that's really important to me, and, and you know, and that's what pizza is. It's it's bread dough that you put stuff on and you bake it and then you eat it with your but, hands. I mean, right. we just took bite, everything about it. We just took a bite of a pizza that had Brussels sprouts on it and, and walnuts. I mean, these are not delicious. your your typical even in Italy. Yeah, well, when we started, you know, we started with a very Italian menu. Um, so we didn't we didn't have a pizza on the menu. One of our set pizzas that had pepperoni because pepperoni is an American right invention. Um, so we started as a very um, um, Italian menu focus. And then at some point in the first year, we decided that people might be getting tired of our menu and want different things. And so we started doing specials. And that's sort of where these things like the Brussels sprouts and other things came in. And what we actually found is that when I de started developing specials, I did it for my regular customers. Sure. And my regular customers are not generally the ones who buy the special because they're regulars because they, they like, like their, pizza. their regular thing, right? right? right. And so anyway, I it's, am it's, a, yeah. that you have nailed me. I mean, yeah. I, that is exactly how I am. I, when I come in, I want my pizza with the prosciutto and the arugula, like in a little spicy something on top, and uh -huh. that's it. That's right. my pizza. Yeah. It's my favorite. I'm, of course, more adventurous. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I Although know. I do love <laughs> walnuts and... Brussels sprouts yeah, on the good. pizza. I mean, that yeah. is delicious. We, we brought a couple of pizzas here today <laughs> to that would pair with our beer that we're that we're featuring. Um, so just to know, we have the Siciliana, which is at one of our regular menu pizzas, and then Siciliana. we have, <laughs> and then we have so a obnoxious. special pizza that is actually our um, monthly special that we're serving at Veloce this month. Oh, cool. Um, so 
But both of them, because of the herbal qualities and the vegetable qualities that, that they each have, go really well with our 25th anniversary Great collaboration well, so let's talk about, beer. I mean, first of all, you're also one of the first ones to craft do beer. the craft beer. Yeah. I mean, you you were yeah. ahead of, yeah. like, Neighborhood Restaurant Group. You were ahead of all these people. You Absolutely. started it yeah. really not 25 years ago, but no. not much when uh, you opened up the second Paradiso, right? Yeah. Yeah. So why beer? Why beer with pizza with Yummy. these pizzas? Mm. I know beer and pizza go together, but like you're, I mean, it's a very right. specific well, we've kind always, of pizza. We've always um, had uh, a more um, craft-centered beer program, even when we were initially just the first restaurant on P Street in the right. little space. We had a very limited that space. Uh, wine and beer selection, but. We never, you know, we never sold the big names, you know, commercial beers. Um, So as we grew and we grew into Georgetown. I just have to say, this is delicious. It's delicious. I'm not a beer drinker, um, but it's really delicious. Yeah. As we grew into into the beer program, um, we stayed with what we knew and what we liked, which Mm -hmm. was craft beer. And, and let's this, get Josh here. Yeah, let's yeah Josh, absolutely. I'm taking, I mean, I'm, I have the most, I have a fourth grade palate, but <laughs> I'm tasting rosemary. Is there rosemary here? There's not rosemary in it, but you definitely can get some, like, some of the herbaceous notes that it's you get, both, both from the, yeah, there's a lot of citrus. It's got some minerality to it. That's mostly due to the yeast and the hop profile uh, that now, we use. What's your background, quickly? Because you look like you're still in high school. So <laughs> when did Thank you join? You. That's a good thing because you got a wife and a kid. So yeah, just, you know, definitely not. Stay in high youthful, my yeah. friend. Um, you joined Ruth like a hundred years ago, right? I did absolutely. I, uh, I was well, actually. Well, it would have to be almost 25 years ago That's since. Right. She's celebrating her 25th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, So I joined actually at the the ripe young age of 19. I was taking a year off between uh, high school and college and needed something to do. And I heard there was this great pizza place and joined her ranks. And uh, over the the years I was in college, I kept going back over the summer. I was going to ask if you went to college. Yeah. So I gave up college for pizza. No. uh, So I kept coming back in the summertime. I mean, it's such a great family to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And it's such a joy to go there during the summers. And then after, I uh, started working there full-time, and by then, Thor had started the beer program. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Which is where we first met Thor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and a lot of people did. And I fell in love with the beer program and beer in general, and it was very much a, a grassroots education. Well, it was so smart this... to do because oh, sorry, you know, well, the craft beer movement really started 10 years ago, 12 years ago. You well, know. when did you start? Wait, when did you do Berea? Uh, 2005. Berea. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so I can't pronounce um, anything. Yeah, it's like pizzeria only with a B. I know. Beeria. I know. Yeah. I can see that in right. my head, but it doesn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, we had the space in Georgetown to expand that program, and uh, and Thor was working with me at the time, and he was a big beer guy, so he actually ran it for the first six months that we were that we after we opened it, and then Greg Jasger took over from him and really ran it uh, for, what, eight years, I think yeah. it was. Right. Um, so so Greg really solidified Famous what the kind, of, beer. Right, yeah. the kind of... But now you went back have. to Thor, you guys, because Thor right. is Right Proper Brewery. Thor, yeah. So this was a collaboration? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, uh, so Thor... Uh, so we knew that we wanted to brew a beer for the anniversary, uh, and I kind of wanted to 
I toyed around with the idea of like getting my hands dirty and brewing a beer in general. Uh Um, And it seemed like a natural connection, both because Thor started the beer program and because of what him and Nathan over at Right Proper were brewing and what I had in mind for a good house beer for Pizzeria Paradiso. So. Right. Well, so tell us what we're what you guys are doing to celebrate the 25th anniversary. We have like a minute left. Well, we uh, we we just celebrated it throughout November. Right. Um, we had a 1991 retro menu with, with 1991 prices. We did How did it. I miss that? I know. Seriously, <laughs> we did a drawing. We just awarded the prize yesterday um, or or last week to um, a woman who's now going to get 52 weeks of pizza. Um, oh my God! So pizza and beer. Thanks and for the, calling, Ruth. Right, the proceeds, <laughs> really the proceeds went to um, uh, WCR, Women Chefs and Restaurant Tours, Great group. to support their scholarship program. Um, and then this is now the 25th anniversary beer is going to be on our on taps at all three places yeah. as our house beer. Cool. Um, and then we have the future ahead of us. We're opening in Hyattsville in the spring. Oh, and, are you opening uh, a Veloce or a... Uh, Paradiso. A Paradiso. Congratulations. Congratulations. I hot place. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And we're going to be partners with an art center, Artworks Now. We're going to share a building. So it's going to be a real community center, which is what Paradiso really is all about. Congratulations. Thank Very exciting. Well, right. cheers to that. Yeah. Um, we'll thank see you for in 25 years. There's another contest that I'll know about. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. In today's competitive job market, imagine not having the reading skills needed to even fill out an application. 90,000 adults in D.C. are considered functionally illiterate. It takes a lot for an adult to admit they can't read. It takes even more courage to do something about it. The Washington Literacy Center teaches adult learners to read, giving them options and a bright future. Please give back to the community by donating today. Go to WashingtonLiteracyCenter.org and make your much-needed charitable contribution. Changing lives through literacy. WashingtonLiteracyCenter.org. If you've ever worked for a large company that provides services to a customer, at some point you may have said, Huh, I think I might be able to do this better on my own. Well, this is a show for people who actually take the step off the ledge and fend for themselves in the cutthroat world that is government contracting. I'm Alan Scott of Columbia Technology Partners and host Ready to Prime. Part information, part inspiration, and all small business. Heard the last Tuesday of every month on Federal News Radio 1500 AM or on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Ready to Prime. Growing up, I was among the one in five American kids who struggle with hunger. And hungry mornings make tired days. Grumpy days. That kind of days. But with the power of breakfast, the kids in your neighborhood can think big and be more. We're not hungry for breakfast. We're hungry for more. More ideas. More dreams. More fun. When kids aren't hungry for breakfast, they can be hungry for more. Go to hungeris.org and lend your time or your voice to make breakfast happen for kids in your neighborhood. I'm Aileen Black. And I'm Gigi Shum. Together, we host Women of Washington. You'll hear the inspiring and amazing stories of women who have paved their own path to success and achieved incredible milestones in their careers. Some have leaned in. Others took an unconventional approach. All have made an impact on the business landscape of Washington, D.C. and beyond. Tune in Wednesday afternoons at 1 for Women of Washington, Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Women of Washington. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And speaking of women in Washington, which was that last commercial, we have in studio with us a lady named Yanire Brana, who's the founder and CEO of Met Community, which is a really a global operation that seeks to empower women entrepreneurs. 
and also in with her is Valle Guerrero, who is one of those women entrepreneurs. She's a business manager at Ines Rosales, which is a great food company. We're going to be more food. We're going to be digging into <laughs> her food. But, Yanere, let's talk about it. What? How did this all happen, and how did you go global like this? You look like you're about 20, and you've got, you're in, what, nine, eight, nine locations around the world. This is great. Yeah. How I don't know how... I don't know how it happened. Uh, this was 10 years ago. I was working in a large corporation, and I started to be a mentor of a woman. And, and uh, that experience as a mentor changed my life. So being a mentor of a, of a woman during six months, where I was supposed to uh, guide her and uh, provide her feedback and advice, it was also a way to help myself. That's why sometimes helping others, we say that helping others, uh, you can also help yourself. So it was a change, uh, it's a life change experience. And after that experience of being a mentor of a woman 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I, I realized that it's very powerful using this kind of uh, techniques and methodologies. And I started to, I took an unpaid leave or of, uh, at the beginning it was one year, then two years, then three years. And then uh, for for a while to create a non-profit organization in Spain to promote uh, sustainable and innovative women entrepreneurship through mentoring, coaching, um, training, and networking activities. And so the beginning was basic and experience as a mentor. Right. And so how did you, but then you developed this organization. What? How were you looking to bring certain people together? Like what uh -huh. was your outreach? How did you figure out how to do that? Okay, so I uh, after that experience, I went to Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. I did. Now you're just name dropping. Ah, yeah, name dropping. <laughs> so I took uh, some time off and all my savings, and I uh, basically I work on on creating a structure for a nonprofit. It was a women. Uh, it was a women's uh, pro program. Mm -hmm. I met women from all around the world. Actually, there was one woman that from Abu Dhabi. That she was a kind of my role model. And we are now working together on uh, a few uh, things. So that uh, was a key a moment for for me and for the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And after a few years of working in Spain, because I started in Spain, uh, the, so I, I received a, like a kind of a big, a good offer to come to DC and to expand the network to Latin American Was countries. that through the World Bank? Is that how I that did happened? It, it was uh, Inter-American Development Bank. It was before the World Bank. I was... So this was always something like a kind of uh, entrepreneur. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I consider myself a social entrepreneur. So I spent ten years. You better years if that's what the organization. <laughs> you're yeah. Okay. So you know, funding through you know the, the international banks and all that. Who runs? I mean, how do you find the people that are going to keep these operations, start them up, run them up, promote them, and and find the people you're going to help? So the leaders, so let's take an example of Spain. So my mentee that started 10 years ago as a mentee is now one of the, our team members. So the lead of Spain, uh, Spain's network, it was another mentee. Mm -hmm. So when you receive a gift that is free in this case, which is mentoring from another person that could be a man or a woman. So I think that you should think how to give back what you receive. So the network started growing so fast and I never expected that it was going to grow so much. That's why I left the World Bank uh, a few years ago, because it was not in my in my plans. It was something that I did because it was my passion. I really believed that it's needed. I saw the need, and I was working so hard. 
but it was not something that I thought, okay, we, we would like to be in India or in, in, Coloma, in Colombia or in Panama. It was something that just happened because a lot of people involved, they believe in, in this uh, dream and in this network, and we are working together. So now let's talk about some of the, because you brought in all these products, and then we want to get to buy it, but let's talk about what you brought in today. Yeah, I think that since we have the founder here of uh, one of our speakers of the last I event. I want to say, I buy these. Yeah. I it's love amazing. these. These are it's crazy. Amazing. So the, the founder was like actually a Spanish woman many years ago. Okay. So Ines. A hundred Ines, years ago. A hundred. Uh-huh. So Ines Rosales. And we uh, we have here uh, Valle that is also a Spanish woman entrepreneur right. that is leading this uh, amazing uh, product that uh, that. It, as you can tell. These are like crazy addictive. Yeah, yeah. it's totally addictive. So maybe, so Bayer, since you are here, you, it's better if you explain yeah, what we us. have here. Okay, yeah. What's, what we ha- have here is a very, very traditional product from Spain. It has more than 100 years. It's, uh, it's called olive oil torta, but I can explain you what it is. It's a, it's a rounded, flaky pastry made uh, by hand with only natural ingredients, and with extra virgin olive oil from Spain, from Cordoba and Seville, from the south of Spain. Uh, So as as they say before, Inés Rosales, that is the brand of this uh, great product, um, she started the company in 1910, making the tortas at at home. Um, We follow the tradition, we keep the same ingredients, the same way of making the tortas. We have uh, a great team of women, uh, shaping the tortas by hand every day, 300,000 tortas. So now where can people find them? Yes, you can find them in Whole Foods. That's where uh, I buy them. The Fresh Market. I mean, right. all these uh, good Boy, men Unsolicited testimonial. Look I know. But I mean, I remember because when you launched in Whole Foods, they were out. Like, they were very good at, Whole Foods is very good at doing demonstrations, sure. with, especially with young entrepreneurs and new people with new products. Mm-hmm. And there were tastings of them all the time. So there was no way not to, like, just kind of try one. And um, whoever was out there with you providing samples, they really provided education. And I think that's so imp- – it's important to me when I'm buying a product because I like to know what I'm buying and why. So, I mean, I those are crazy good, and I don't keep them in my house because I will eat all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, usually happy. People just bring them home, but they the don't stay. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what is your involvement with Met? Yes, but uh, we, as uh, Janir said, they are an uh, organization uh, focused on um, on helping entrepreneurs, women. And Ines Rosales was an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur in the USA because I had to come back on my own, um, sorry, to come here on my own in 2014 to open the company in the USA to expand business. Um, I found a lot of challenges. And I think we have something in common, the, the people from Med and Ines Rosales. And they wanted uh, they wanted us to to serve as an example for other women who want to do the same. Who want Pretty to good example, right? So, is the business? I kind of lost track of that. Are you? Do you have distribution around the U.S.? Yes, correct. Three hundred thousand a day. Yes, but we export to thirty-two countries. So all these three. So are the women who make these very tired all the time? <laughs> oh, she's so tired. <laughs> One woman, Ines Rosales, trapped in a kitchen. These are delicious. All right, well, um, we have about 45 seconds here. Why don't you tell everybody how to get in touch with you? Well, and they have community. a big event, right? All right, you have a big event. Let's so talk about that. So we, uh, we always, so every year uh, we celebrate the International Women Entrepreneurship Day, and we also have every, on a monthly basis, online free online uh, training se- uh, sessions. 
So our website is metcommunity.org. Mm-hmm. So you can find all the information there. You can join for the free online training sessions about how to create a website, and, uh, for example, uh, through um, uh, WordPress or just marketing, social media, so different kind of courses. So, um, yeah, I'm, I encourage you to, to, to join us, not only here because our community is pretty international. So when you join for a, for a training, you can be with other people that are at the same time in different countries. Exactly. And we also have mentoring that is starting in, in, in two months for women entrepreneurs in D.C. Right. So, so when that comes around, get in touch with me, and then we'll get that out there. But we want to thank you both for joining us today. Yeah, Derek, we have to go to our next segment, but can you just tell us what you're pouring next, and then we'll come to you at the very end? What's our next no one? No problem. Uh, the next one will be Tuc de Gaze. Tuc de Gaze, always um, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc Merlot. But the particularity of this wine, it's one of the rare wines that has been certified bee-friendly in uh, France and even in Europe. Mm-hmm. What are bee-friendly wines that are... Uh, wines that are grown in vineyards that take into consideration a bee's life and bee hives. Okay. As you know, pollinization is a huge problem nowadays, not only in France or Europe, but uh, in the U.S. also. Right. And we have taken that into consideration. Today we have beehives in our vineyards, and we will, um, how would I say, uh, we're, um, we're working the vineyards taking into consideration bee lives. One example, uh, where if needed, we're plowing during the night because uh-huh. bees are sleeping at night and there is no bee activity Do not at wake night. sleeping bees, I right. Do not wake. But it's, you know, it's a, again, it's a kind of niche market, but very important to us in the philosophy of Buzet. All right, we're well, going to come back to We're going to come back to you no while problem, you're pouring no that problem. wine, okay? All right. And we're going to drink more wine because, because that's how we do on a Sunday morning in the Foodie and the Michael Bee Studio. Michael Lager, who is a SOM and restaurant manager out at the Gaylord, and Rachel Dinbakowitz, who is the PR maven, a maven <laughs> out there. They're in. We like mavens. Um, we're big on them. <laughs> The Gaylord is always jammed with great events all the time, but particularly at holiday time, ice is open. Ice is this unbelievable, what's it, 23 million tons of... Two million. Same Two thing. Two million pounds. Two million pounds. <laughs> you were off a little bit. Two million bit. pounds <laughs> of okay. ice. Facts are unimportant. Two million, you know yeah, that, right? Okay. Facts Not anymore. Nobody this cares is, about facts. Welcome to Food and the Beast. Fake news. Right. Uh, but, but it's two million pounds of carved ice. These Chinese artisans come in, right? I had yep. that part right. Very good. And it's, it's I mean, we've gone every year. Slides you know and this. statues. <laughs> it's really cool and really cold. Yes. And, um, but they warm you up with those parkas. But you've got another program called Cask and Cocoa. International Wine and Chocolate Pairing, yeah, which so appeals to my many senses. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we're moving into sweet right now. So we have Sweet's Michael okay. here. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Hi, Michael. How are you? So I oh, love no, the more idea. Wine. So just before we get into our actual tasting on air, so when when can people do this? Yeah, so we actually have this class offered. There's one today, but then there's one um, next Saturday, and then it runs daily um, the, the 22nd through the 30th of December. Oh, so all through, like, the break. Yeah, That's perfect. Which is perfect. Um, we have friends who are going to the Gaylord uh, for the holidays. So I'm going to let them know about this because this is awesome. perfect. Yeah, right? we're, we're very excited. It's a brand new class for us. Uh-huh. Um, and we wanted to do something that had a little bit of an international twist because the theme of ISIS here is Christmas around the world. Right. So we're, we're kind of bringing well, that's that so in. perfect based on what we were just talking about. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so Michael here is um, one of the people who leads the class. He's our sommelier. Uh-huh. Um, and he and our resort chef have partnered together to 
trying to show you what best wines and chocolate pair together. All right, Great. Okay, wait. We're going to take a break. We are? We're going to take a oh. quick break, and then when we come back, right. we're going to do a tasting on air. We're going to try chocolate and the different wines that you poured. This is David and Nikki Nellis, our Foodie and the Beast. We are tasting chocolate and wine. It can't get any better. We'll be back in just a minute. Are you or someone you know a victim of crime? If so, call the D.C. Victim Hotline at 1-844-4-HELP-DC. The D.C. Victim Hotline assists victims of any crimes in the District of Columbia by connecting them to resources that empower them to take the next steps toward healing. It's a free, anonymous service staffed with fully trained victim assistance specialists. You can chat online at dcvictim.org or text and call 1-844-4-HELP-DC. That's 1-844-4-HELP-DC. Teachers, plan your next field trip to the museum where education meets inspiration. Thanks to a program sponsored by WTOP, D.C. area students can explore the museum free of charge when they visit as part of a teacher-led group. Students will unlock deeper understanding of our First Amendment freedoms as they explore more than 30 exhibits and theaters or take part in one of 15 standard-aligned workshops, all free with your field trip. Visit museum.org slash field trip to see the full list of qualifying districts and book your visit today. This is John Gilroy. My show, Federal Tech Talk, answers the question, how does technology make life easier for the federal audience? I've spent years interviewing federal CIOs, tech leaders, and big company CTOs. What they tell me is compelling, provocative, and always relevant to the federal government and contractor. Check it out Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 1 on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Federal Tech Talk. Let Potomac's Market at River Falls help make holiday entertaining unforgettable. For a catering menu, visit MarketRiverFalls.com or call 301-765-8001. Find out what makes federal executives and industry executives tick. Women of Washington. FederalNewsRadio.com. Search Women of Washington. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by ProFish, D.C.'s premier seafood company. ProFish delivers only the freshest, safest, and most sustainable seafood. Visit them at ProFish.com. Hey, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I uh, just want to thank the folks that make this show possible. ProFish, our friends at the market at River Falls in Potomac and Celebrity Cruises. If you're not a sponsor, you should be, so give me a call. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to these folks okay, from the Gaylord. So you guys are going to give us a chocolate and wine tasting. Now, this is something that you can actually do at the Gaylord National Resort, but we're going to do a little bit in the studio Where today. do you do it? Do you do it in the restaurant? We do it in uh, Belvedere Lounge. So as soon as you walk into the hotel, mm -hmm. uh, you just take a couple steps, and then you have our uh, great room there. It's a huge lobby, and you can find us right there. And it's such a pretty restaurant. Yeah. I love the look of that restaurant. Okay, so walk us through this. What are we doing? So I'm going to start my favorite pairing here. Uh, I have a little soft spot for Italy, so I'm going to pair a... Bravissimo. Yes. So the first one is going to be more of a super Tuscan. A um, okay. little bit light-bodied wine uh, coming from Tuscany. And think of like something like light like Pinot Noir if someone doesn't know the Sangiovese mm. grape. This is a beautiful uh, wine. Yeah, so it's going to be like really elegant and feminine on the nose. And then uh, we're going to pair it something darker so we're going to go what dark does that mean feminine first. on the nose i don't want to know <laughs> feminine on the nose. so floral qualities think of like a a, a woman i, I okay. always describe wine i always do I, I know so yum the first wine we go with the dark chocolate 72 percent did you pick the wrong chocolate did i picked the right chocolate or the wrong that's one? that's the right one okay good <laughs> yeah because sometimes My just chair, yeah mm. so the idea with this class is to pretty much have fun and that's why we choose chocolate and wine but a lot of people think uh, 
when they think of chocolate, when they read it on the back of a wine bottle, is the like Hershey's chocolate or something like that. Um, when you eat chocolate, um, I don't know who those people are. I don't know who they are either. I know they they ain't on this show. No. So when you have like a milk chocolate like that, it kind of overpowers the wine. So what we're trying to do here is bring it back a little bit, educate the people, and have fun. So we're going to go with a, a bitter chocolate that's light right. and a light wine where you won't lose uh, kind of your palate. Well, you want it to really complement one another. Yeah. I mean, I can see how this wine brings out um, sort of uh, the bitterness in the chocolate, right? But without, but it doesn't taste bitter. Do you know exactly. what I mean? It like brings out the good qualities in it. The Who best... knew that? I was just eating chocolate and drinking wine. <laughs> sure, sure. The Whatever. Best... The most important thing you can do with any type of food and wine pairing is balance, and I think that's most important here. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, let's talk about the next one. So the next one, we're going to go to a muscular California cab from Bullio Vineyards, uh-huh. um, and we're going to go into Rutherford. So Rutherford has a pretty addictive quality to it. They have something called like a Rutherford dust, and that's something pertaining to the tannin of the wine. So when I think of Rutherford dust, I think of something like cocoa powder, and since we're pairing with chocolate, I think of like a truffle quality. Mm-hmm. So now we can That's what I would think. That's right. (laughs) Not those truffles. Chocolate truffles. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, So now we can move on, since we have a muscular wine, to an even um, uh, milkier chocolate. So this wine could stand up to a milkier chocolate to give a higher fat content. Mm. Yeah, so it's pretty fun. Should I give this to her? Yeah, absolutely. No, I have it. You do? Pour me two glasses of wine. She can have two if she wants. You can have the two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm on the damn show, too. You have two glasses of wine, too. Nobody's forgetting you. Um, So when we come for a tasting, how many different wines do you get to taste and how many chocolates are there? Uh, We're going to do three wines and three chocolates. Okay. And how long does this class normally take? About an hour and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. So tell us what goes on during that hour and a half because we just did it in like... Minutes. We did do it in 10 minutes. So it's more it's interact- radio. It's more interactive. Uh, wine's very subjective. So I go around the room and ask people what they're uh, really tasting, what they're smelling. And then we talk and educate on the chocolate, too. So you had wines here from Madagascar. You had wines from Chile. You mean chocolate. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. chocolate. Yes, yeah, sorry. This is uh, some education you're getting. <laughs> All the wine we had today. Right. And uh, from Brooklyn. Um, right. Do you have to call ahead and reserve? How does it work? Is that recommended? We do recommend the, uh, the reservations, yeah. Okay. So uh, what number do you call? Do you know? Yeah, you you could uh, book through our front desk. Oh, okay. Right. Go to GaylordNational.com. That doesn't yeah. mean that the people at the front desk know okay. I'm asking. Are you kidding? Yeah. It's a hotel promotion. Of course they know. Yeah, no, everything's on our Christmas on the Potomac. Marriage can be so oppressive. You know? <laughs> I'm always the idiot, no matter All right, what. So tell us quickly about some of the other activities going on at the Gaylord this year for the holidays because and it doesn't just go on throughout the holidays it goes on like through January January 1st we go through yeah so we we do have a ton of offerings that people can come and experience New this year, we have a breakfast with Charlie Brown. Okay. Um, so everybody loves Charlie Brown and friends. So they're uh-huh. there, so you can see them. We also have an indoor. You know they're not real, right? <laughs> <laughs> they seem real to me. <laughs> Drink more wine, Rachel. That's right. Have some that's more right. Wine. <laughs> um, we I used to be married to Lucy. <laughs> Um, we also have an indoor snowfall, which you were you were talking about during the break, um, right. which is very magical. During our, we have a laser fountain show now. There's been an added on top of the water. Yeah, there's lasers now as well, so it's a little more um, exciting we with the holiday back. music. Yes, uh, and then within our new Christmas village, we have a lot of things people can go on: um, a carousel, teacups. There's gingerbread decorating. Cool. Um, Mrs. Claus is there this year for the first time. Where you Mrs. Can... Claus. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's come with Santa this year. Um, so there's a lot of really fun things outside. I heard she's hot. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, it's it's subjective. It all depends you know? on your taste, right? <laughs> she's, you know, baking cookies, and kids can enjoy cookies and milk with her while she reads a story. So there's no. a lot of really fun things Great. outside of, of course, ice. Well, I just <laughs> want to say from our personal experience, because we have spent the holidays at the Gaylord National in the past, there's so much going on there, and we have... Our children were younger when we went, but it really they were really able to explore and have a good time when the adults were able to drink wine and taste chocolate and have a good time. So Absolutely. there's so much going on just in the facility and of the hotel. it happens to be a stunning property. It's an 18-story atrium, and it looks out over the river. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very pretty. It's, it's a lovely pleasant. way to spend the holiday. So, right, and guys, if you have thanks. people in town... And you need something to do with everyone. Absolutely. What a way to spend the day. Definitely. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you both for coming in today. At National <laughs> Harbor. Right. <laughs> All right, Dirk, let's go back to you. Uh, is there another wine to discuss? Or have yes, we, we have a, a last one that's called Exit. Exit is an organic wine, so it's just wine, let's say it this way. That's why we called it Exit. And um, if I may something, uh, say something again about Buzet, uh, we have been awarded in France with many different uh, awards for the work we did in terms of sustainability and respecting the vineyards. But we have also been awarded here in the U.S. with the Botanical Research Institute of Texas, where we were granted the Platinum Award after silver and gold two years in a row. So we're strong at home, we're strong in Europe, but what we do in terms of sustainability has been awarded here in the U.S. by well, a very serious Well, we, we have like two more minutes, but you got to yes. talk about music of life. This is a great thing. What is to, music of life? It says, uh, oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> the, the combat, <laughs> Wait, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> no, about. No, the combat esca. I mean, no, uh, uh, je, it's, it's called genotica. Yeah, I was uh, going to say that. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> next time. Genotique. Uh, Genotique is how to, uh, I never found the word in English, it's how to. How um, does music fight a fungus? That's really voilà. what How can music fight any disease? Right. It was uh, put together by a German doctor who, uh, let's say, uh, not didn't cure, but helped his wife a lot who had cancer. And to make a long story short, we have a problem in our vines with a disease that's called ESCA. Mm-hmm. We have nothing to cure it. So uh, we have been trying for the last two years. We put music boxes. Uh, in our vineyards and these music box every I think twice a day they make like a ding dong ding dong during seven minutes like Disney World no no much more serious than Disney World (laughs) so far it works so it disrupts the fungus it's stopped the disease it didn't stop the disease but the uh, death the mortality rate of the vines that have been hit by Esca has decreased a lot we have we are only we have only two years uh, of action with that with that um, so uh, with that box. Who came up with the idea? The who came up? <laughs> I don't know who I came know, up. But, I but mean, no, it's such a, we, we, I, we didn't invent it, but right. we were trying to find new ways, new solutions to uh, to fight the fungus. To fight the fungus. To right. fight. You know, it's always a question of replacing uh, a chemical product by something natural. Of course. By something that doesn't hit My suggestion the is replace the ding-dong, ding-dong with Led Zeppelin, and that fungus will <laughs> run. Maybe, maybe. the hills. <laughs> Communication breakdown, the best no, one. No, maybe, but it's uh, it's very serious. It's We do not do it our own. We are always helped by professionals that are for bees or beekeepers for... Um, uh, let's say for uh, the, the, the genotique, we've been helped by people who know their job. You know, we're pioneering a lot of things. 
not always successful. Now, but we do. We only have a couple seconds yes. left. Where are Bouze wines Where in the Washington area? Uh, They're delicious. I, actually, I have uh, an importer in New York, and I'm looking for distributors here in Washington. <laughs> Ruth, so, Ruth. If anybody's interested. <laughs> Ruth. She's like, I'm not a distributor, but no. I'll make it happen. I, you know, I started this job about two years ago. It takes a lot of time. And uh, I, I have found a couple of importers. Now I need distributors in every state. But with all our assets, with strong assets and our fleet. I, I think I'll become a distributor. You'll become go. a distributor. Right. It's a great job. Thank that you so much. But tell everybody where they can find you online, please. Quickly, though. You, at vignerondebuset.com. Uh, and you can check it out. I've been tweeting about it and Instagram. You'll find it on the on, list, too. On your website. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of it. The show's almost over. It Thank is. you, everybody. Great show. Great show. Uh, you can Delicious always go to the listareyouonit.com to find out more. Follow Nikki on Twitter. She's on WTOP every week. That's uh, 103.5 FM doing... Mm-hmm. What's happening updates, and that's it. Yes, so we want to thank all of our guests today for a fabulous show. Next week is also going to be delicious and fun. Do you know December is like sangria month? So we're going to be shaking up some sangria in studio. And the new on rye, which just opened up, they're coming in with their babka ice cream sandwiches. And uh, Amy Brandwine is doing a Christmas market at Central Lena, and she's coming in with all the goodies. So this week was fabulous. Next week will be too. Everybody, please have a delicious week. 